This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Amazon Web Services extends its reach. New offerings for HPC Hyperscale and Enterprise. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. And This Week in HPC is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Michael, This Week in HPC and Hyperscale and Enterprise, we had a ton of news from Amazon Web Services as AWS really introduced a blitz of new products across the landscape. And we're going to talk about a lot of them today. Let's start with some of the ones that are really focused on the HPC space. Right. They announced actually two new instances uh, in the HPC or aimed at the HPC space. One of them was their in their P3 instance uh, variant. Uh, their P3 instances used the uh, NVIDIA V100 GPUs to do this acceleration for HPC and AI and uh, a few other things. Yeah, the one they added was the P3DN. That's uh, the one they added the latest version of the NVIDIA V100 that doubles the local memory capacity to 32 gigabytes versus the 16 gigabytes in the original. So it's a bigger, uh, more powerful GPU. And they, they only have in this P3DN instance an 8-GPU version. It's basically aimed at the machine learning side where you need a lot of GPUs. Uh, otherwise, it's the same as the the previous P3, except for the the one really uh, differentiating here. They've upped the network bandwidth uh, to 100 gigabits per second, so it looks much more like what you might encounter with something that you would find in an HPC type environment. Uh, that bandwidth is equivalent to EDR and FiniBand as far as bandwidth goes, so you can link a lot of these uh, instances together. Uh, if you've got a really big machine learning application doing a lot of training and you can get that sort of uh, bandwidth that you need to scale out uh, as well as the larger memory. So something that uh, I think their customers have been asking for, Amazon has been saying they've got a lot of people looking to use these uh, these machine learning uh, instances and they I think they're meeting some customer demand here. Uh, the other instance is, is an upgrade of their C5. This is their Xeon-only uh, compute-intensive one for HPC. And again, the main uh, the main enhancement here is, again, they've gone from uh, 25 gigabits per second up to 100 gigabits per second, again, improving the scalability of this instance to something that's uh, more attractive to a computer or a communication-intensive uh HPC workloads, such as anything you use an MPI or something that's very dependent upon that communication. So basically, they're if you if you sort of step back and look at it, they're just trying to make their HPC offerings look even more HPC-like than before and attract more of those customers that might have been uh, sort of on the fence about thinking they don't quite have the infrastructure or capability that they uh, that they are looking for. Yeah, for me, looking at these new instances, I'm actually more excited about the faster networking and larger memory than I am about the GPUs, although those are certainly right. been significant and hot in the in the machine learning uh, case in particular. For me, I, according to our research, I don't see 
a whole lot of reluctance for cloud at this point based on feeling like I can't really get high performance uh, in these instances. I think not only Amazon, but but Azure and even GCP have introduced enough high performance instances that that's not that shouldn't be an ongoing barrier to running uh, HPC applications in the cloud. The, the bigger discussions are really economic ones about where is it most efficient for me to run my HPC applications. And, you know, these instances, um, I think really are not only uh, alleviate those technical barriers, but I think they lay a groundwork for a whole new strategy going forward in HPC where a lot of the cloud providers it's been a passive or reactive strategy initially to say, well, we've got all of these initiative, these initiatives or instances, and you can come run these here when it makes economic sense. Really, I think the, the, the ground has been paved for one of the cloud providers, Azure AWS, to, to take a more proactive leadership strategy with respect to HPC and cloud, where this is now a forward-leaning uh, strategy for an HPC organization to say, I'm going to proactively move some of my uh, my more forward-looking applications out to the cloud and, and do that as a leadership strategy instead of just, well, I'm going to take my leftover stuff that doesn't fit and, and move that out to the cloud when it's cheap. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a, an, a good analysis. I think that's been the general trend of especially... Uh, Especially Microsoft Azure, they've been they've been sort of a more aggressive in getting sort of HPC specific infrastructure and software stacks out there. In fact, they actually uh, created uh, HPC uh, virtual machine instances with 100 gigabit per second EDR InfiniBand support just a couple months ago. And maybe some of this is in reaction to that. I think uh, when you look at Amazon, I mean they're they're the market leader, but Azure has been more aggressive sort of in the HPC space. And I think um, Amazon certainly wants that, wants that market as well. It, 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 can, it can engender a lot of big, you know, thousand plus instance uh, buys. So they're interested in that market. And so I think a lot of this is just coming about as, as natural competition. One thing I should also mention, besides the two instances that, that AWS introduced, they also uh, unveiled something called the Elastic Fabric Adapter, and it's uh, it's basically a network interface you can tick off on different instances that actually makes it easier to scale out uh, the instances to what they're saying tens of thousands of cores, something that was perhaps difficult to do before. Again, making it easier for HPC type applications that use a lot of MPI, and it's dependent upon uh, that sort of uh, communication intensive uh, processing uh, to do this. So they're actually looking and having some more specific type of offerings that, that make it a lot easier, presumably a lot easier for HPC type of customers to, to get in and use some of this infrastructure now. Yeah, and I think what this will really lead to is, is more of a managed services approach 
toward these cloud uh, services. We saw Microsoft really take a lead there with Azure in terms of their acquisition of cycle computing gives them a big advantage in this space. But AWS, with all these new offerings, seems to me that they're now leaning in that direction to try to assemble all of these different pieces to show uh, HPC leadership in this space. You're right on with that fabric adapter. That gives them another capability with regard to AWS. Another one that they announced uh, this week was Amazon FSX for Luster, which is essentially an Amazon product that gives them the ability to run Luster as a service where you can configure your Luster environment through an Amazon uh, widget and, and now have a parallel file system capability in the cloud. Um, this is something that, that really is, is taking a step like Intel was trying to do to make uh, Luster or parallel file systems in general, but Luster specifically, a little more enterprise friendly uh, to make it easier to configure or have as part of your overall environment. That didn't really succeed with uh, with Intel, but Amazon's going to take a different shot at it, maybe as a cloud offering that can get a little more traction. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many bytes they get on this. I mean, this is pretty much HPC specific. They're marketing it as a as a luster thing rather than just a parallel file system that they're offering. So they're they're definitely looking at HPC customers, although they're also mentioning a few other areas where they think it might be applicable, uh, if that parallel file system technology might be applicable. And they've integrated it with their, their Amazon S3 storage offering um, on top of this. But I think the, the key part, as you mentioned, they're offering it as a service. So they're taking out some of the breakables for those uh, potential users that don't want to have to do so much of the administration and the tweaking themselves. It's sort of a shrink wrap thing. At least that's that's what they're telling people. And they're going to sell it as as something you can sort of an on-demand offering you can just use uh, rather than having to deal with uh, some of the some of the headaches of, of administering Lustre on, on premise. Yeah, in your comments there, you kind of hit on my favorite thing about it as well as my least favorite thing about it. My favorite thing about this portion of the uh, announcement, FSX, is that it, that it has those S3 hooks, uh, which really uh, leads forward to, uh, uh, in kind of the medium to long term, as more things are based on object storage and tiered storage, this ought to integrate pretty well with a lot of people's high-performance commercial environments to have those S3 hooks into the Amazon cloud. My least favorite thing about it is that they're highlighting Luster as part of the offering. I think for Amazon's target customers in the commercial space, the fact that it's Luster is the part that would, that would hold it back here. You know, people have not really adopted Luster well as a commercial parallel file system. I would just assume they take all of the Luster capability, but call this the Amazon file system and leave the word Luster out of it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, only only HPC users themselves are going to be sort of comfortable with that. And maybe some of those even not. Um, if they're looking for, you know, uh, to, to extend beyond that, it's probably best to sort of de-emphasize that portion. It's just a technology that they're not familiar with and, and thus might be somewhat suspicious of. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting, uh, interesting point. But maybe they'll figure it out. This is they're introducing it now. Uh, I have a feeling there's more to come in this area, uh, especially along with some of the other news that they've they've announced during this uh, this event. 
Okay, Michael, there's there's more news going on here with Amazon this week in HPC or really transcends HPC and also goes into the hyperscale space. They've got a new arm offering as well. Right. They uh, a while back, they they bought a company called Annapurna Labs that made uh, that made arm uh, chips. And for a while there, it seems like they were doing it for uh, sort of the edge space to to do different things, but now they've come up with a server, 64-bit server chip that they've now released under uh, their own server offering. Um, and they're saying it's uh, potentially up to 45% cheaper performance-wise, uh, performance per, per dollar-wise than uh, some competing offerings. So the, it's, it's now an Amazon-branded ARM chip and an Amazon-branded uh, basically uh, instance that they put it in uh, that they're now starting to offer to customers that are doing things like web serving and and really sort of non-high performance type of uh, applications. Yeah, the, implicit in this is the idea that this is not an HPC kind of instance at this point. And in particular, whatever you're running on this ARM instance is going to need to be ported to that environment. But a, a wide range of enterprise applications, including web serving, email serving, are all going to be fine in that environment. Not that there's no HPC on ARM. Of course there is. But those have been, for example, specialized 64-bit, such as the, the Cavium uh, products. And that's not really the space that we're talking about here. Now, that doesn't mean that you couldn't uh, find a way to take advantage of this lower-cost instance. But I, I see this as more progress that ARM is making in the enterprise and Amazon, again, extending its offerings to, uh, to just suit a wider range of needs. Right. And they haven't released... Uh really any information about sort of the specifications, performance uh, profile of this. They're calling it the Graviton processor, um, but they haven't released much of the, uh, the detailed uh, technical uh, feeds and speeds behind it. Um, but again, they're, they're aiming it at these sort of large sort of microservice type uh, applications that, that people use uh, AWS for, again, not for HPC. So you can surmise it's not a high-powered processor. It's not something that's going to compete with a Xeon or even a, an AMD uh, Epic chip, but something that's going to be uh, aimed at these uh, more large-scale but lower-power applications that uh, that Amazon serves. And if that's not enough, they've got another announcement we haven't even talked about yet here, and I think this might be the most fascinating of all, that AWS has a new product called Outpost, which basically is treating your on-premise area as an outpost from the AWS cloud and lets you run an AWS environment on-premise so that you're using a lot of the same cloud services that you would have from Amazon Web Services, but do those native in your on-premise environment. Uh, presumably, this is going to enable a lot more of the hybrid clouds uh, right. so that uh, you can transition your, your enterprise access from on-premise into the cloud a little more seamlessly in an AWS-immersed environment. Right. I mean not just a little more seamlessly, completely seamlessly, it wouldn't, it would be totally frictionless to go from on-premise to public with this environment because you have the same software stack, the same APIs, everything. Um, they're just sort of supplying the, the infrastructure and, and, and the stack that you would need. Um, so in a sense, it's, it's a really, 
uh, it's a big move for for Amazon. They're basically moving into the on-premise world from the cloud world. And I mean, if this takes off, this this is a big change to the landscape, and it it sort of begs the question if if the other uh, the other big cloud providers start to do that. I think some have moved in that direction. Microsoft, I think, offers a, an on-premise stack, uh, but I think nothing to sort of the extent what's going on here. Uh, but it sort of makes sense. I think uh, this might force the other cloud providers to start thinking more strategically about the on-premise market uh, and, and how to move into that and capture that. Because there are uh, still plenty of uh, situations where enterprises or other businesses or, or organizations don't want to move their stuff into a public cloud for reasons of latency or security or just uh, general uncomfortableness with that uh, that uh, that environment. So there's still going to be an, a big on-premise market that's going to go on into the foreseeable future. And it's a, a thing that, uh, you know, Amazon sees as a potential market for them, obviously. Yeah, I think this is uh, the start or even continuation of a major trend that's essentially a reverse migration of sorts. It's not just how do I move my on-premise workloads into a cloud environment, but how do I move my cloud environment into my on-premise workloads. And if you look at this in the context of some of the other offerings we just talked about, for example, that Amazon file system based on Luster, if you just think of that not as Luster, but as Amazon file system, and then run that through this notion of outpost, what if you get people running an Amazon file system just as an enterprise file system, and then you have all of those S3 hooks to the cloud? That's a tremendous potential opportunity for AWS. Furthermore, as we talk about things like machine learning, deep learning, AI, the more that AWS or any other cloud provider can get its fingers into the overall sense of, of workload or middleware layer. This is like what we just talked about a few weeks ago with the IBM Red Hat acquisition, that that gives them access to more data, not customer specific data, but more like usage data, access pattern data that would allow AWS in the long run to create a more intelligent cloud offering that's adaptive, responsive, building AI into the overall operating environment in terms of managing what data is on premise or in the cloud. Right, and we shouldn't forget what we were just talking about, their own ARM processor, which makes it potentially easier for them to start supplying infrastructure that's really based on, on in-house technology. They can start you know, contracting to ODMs and build uh, the whole box from Amazon uh, based on their own processor technology and it's uh, owning sort of the whole hardware and software stack to, to some extent and creating these outposts. Um, it, it really opens up sort of some interesting uh, opportunities for Amazon and some, some interesting changes to the landscape. Uh, you know, I'm guessing companies like HP and Dell are looking at this and wondering you know, how they might fit into this uh, if, if Amazon continues along these lines and then some of the other cloud providers follow in suit. Yeah, these are a lot of pieces I really like here for AWS. And ultimately, I think the, the success or failure of this is going to depend on uh, AWS taking a more forward-leaning strategy in terms of how all of this works going forward, which is an evolution from 
what we were talking about at the start of the podcast where you know cloud evolved from a very passive state they were they were fast followers if if you need something we'll put it up and you can buy it if you want now they're really uh, leaning forward a lot more in terms of here's how we can help you take a leadership position with your enterprise. It is a much more intentional forward-leaning strategy, and that's going to be the key to getting all these pieces to work for Amazon. I think if it's just passive, here are these pieces, you can use them if you want, then it won't gel. So it it really depends on Amazon's uh, uh, strategy and intention here and appetite for taking that leadership position. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we, yeah, we've definitely seen a, a maturation of the market here. There's more specialization going on. I think a lot of that was spurred on by what Microsoft has done with Azure, and now uh, Amazon, I think, is 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 in that vein as well. Uh, it's it was, I think, it was sort of inevitable that we would see that specialization, the, considering how uh, all-encompassing uh, cloud computing has become. But uh, I think we're we're now starting to see how that's going to play out. Um, and with these new offerings, it's it's going to become really interesting over the next few years to, to see if they can make good on some of this and really start to change the, the landscape of the whole, the whole data center market. All right, Michael. Well, thanks for another excellent podcast. Lots of news from AWS and uh, yep. definitely something that, that, that could change the dynamics going forward. Yep. All right, Michael. Thanks a lot. Thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.